extra covered today. John 14. We're going to start here in the second in uh, verse 16. John 14 in verse 16. You here this morning? You glad you're here this morning? Uh, we've been uh, doing a series about the church for the past four weeks. And uh, we're going to start a new series today. And we're going to start a series about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're going to start in John 14 in verse 16. John 14 in verse 16, it says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, same chapter, John 14. Let's jump down to verse 26. Now, this is all red letter. So Jesus is speaking it. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. But notice he said, I will send you another one and he will be the helper. So we're going to start a series today called The Helper. Everybody say The Helper. The Helper. And we're going to start a series about the Holy Spirit this morning. And um, I don't know how long this series is going to go. Um, but there's a lot of things to say about the Holy Spirit, so we're going to take our time. We're not going to try to rush through it. And I like to preach on series because we know for any subject in the Bible, there's no way you could preach one message on it and really deal with the subject. There's no way. And so uh, we like to do series so we can get into more stuff about each subject. So that's why we did four, four weeks on the church. And there's still other things to say about the church. But we're going to do a series about the Holy Spirit, and we realize it could take some time uh, to talk about the Holy Spirit. So, um, as we start this series, I want to say a couple things, because uh, we are, and have been for a long time, a Spirit-filled church. And we don't apologize for that, that we're a Spirit-filled church. Um, But a lot of people, I understand if I say Spirit-filled A lot of people don't even know what that means to start with. And so hopefully we'll explain to you what that means to be spirit-filled. What it means to be a believer who believes in the Holy Spirit. A believer who uh, relies on the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk a lot the next, at least several weeks, about the Holy Spirit. What it means to be spirit-filled. What it means to be uh, somebody who's filled with the, the Spirit of God. What is the Holy Spirit. Uh, What does he do? Why is he important to the believer? Uh, Because it's very important that we answer these questions. And I said this a few weeks back, especially about the church. Uh, We need to understand this. It's okay if you have questions about stuff in the Bible, but let's not just stop there and have questions. Let's go figure it out. Or let's go somewhere where you can get answers to the questions you have in the Bible, instead of just wandering around and being in doubt about things that you should know why you believe what you believe. Because the more you know why you believe what you believe, the more you'll have faith in it to use it in your life. Hopefully over the past several weeks we talked about my church when we talked about why the church. You have more faith today because you realize why you believe what you believe about the local church in the first place. Hopefully by now you're more excited about the church than you've ever been before. You're more excited about the part you have to play in the church. So the more you know about a subject, the more you'll have faith in it. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. Now, nobody run out the doors or anything. Nothing weird's going to happen this morning. And for the sheer fact that I even have to mention that, that's the problem. Um, A lot of people especially in the world, or even the church world, are scared and intimidated by the Holy Spirit. And we're going to explain this. Now, I've been in church 28 years and 9 months of my life. So, I don't don't know anything else other than a Spirit-filled, Word of Faith, 
demon casting out, healing the sick church. I don't know any other church other than that. So I realized for me saying some of these things, it's easy because I don't know anything different than that. But I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of us in here that didn't grow up in a church like this. Or some of you are not even saved today, so you really don't know what I'm talking about. So just the mission of the Holy Spirit, you have no idea what we're talking about. So hopefully these questions will be answered today. A lot of people are notice they're scared and intimidated by what they don't know. And that's why the Holy Spirit is sometimes looked at in the wrong way because they're scared because they don't really know about the Holy Spirit. They're intimidated by even the word, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're going to get into this, but let me say a couple things as introduction here. The Holy Spirit, really that word, uh, comes from the word pneuma, which means breath or wind. A lot of times in the King James Bible, it says Holy Ghost. That's a real Pentecostals talk like that. Yeah. The proper people talk Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit. The real Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. There's just something about it because they read King James only version. So, (laughs) but we realize when we say Holy Ghost, that freaks people out. They've been watching too, too many paranormal activity movies. And when you say Holy Ghost, that's what they're thinking of. They're thinking of the ghost in the closet that drags you out of your room, throws you in the pool. And so they freak out. When you say ghost, let's just be honest. When you say holy ghost, even if you put holy in front of the ghost, he's still a ghost and that's weird. Nobody in the right mind says, yes, I want a ghost in my house. And then Christians go on and say, I don't just have a ghost in my house. I have a ghost living inside of me. (laughs) So I realized when we just say Holy Ghost, that freaks people out. It freaks people out. For good reason, because you've seen too many horror movies, which you shouldn't have saw in the first place. Hello, somebody. And it freaked you out. So when somebody says Holy Ghost, you are just, you're beside yourself. But really, the better translation would be Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Now, we're going to get into this. And the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the first couple verses of the Bible. The Holy Spirit is mentioned all throughout the Bible, but in the last couple verses of the Bible. In the very beginning, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And notice it says the Spirit of God moved upon the earth. The Spirit of God was there to create what the Father said. The Spirit of God was there all the way back in the beginning of time, the beginning of earth, the beginning of creation. The Spirit of God was there, the Holy Spirit. And... He was there to create whatever the Father said. We see that the Spirit of God was there in the beginning, even before animals were here, even before mankind was here, the Spirit of God was here. We see through all that, throughout the Bible, the Spirit of God moved on people's lives. We see in the book of Revelation, it says at the end, the Spirit and the bride, which is the church, say come. Because... The church or the bride cannot do the work of God apart from the Spirit. It's impossible. So if Jesus is ever going to come back, if the things that are going to happen in the Bible are ever going to happen, it's not just the bride, the church, it's the Spirit and the bride say come. Because we can't do anything apart from the Spirit of God as believers. We see in the Old Testament over 90 times the Spirit of God is mentioned. And every time it's mentioned, notice it is because it comes upon a person to do things for God that they couldn't do in their own strength. So we see that the Holy Spirit came on people in the Old Testament to do what they couldn't do in their own strength. That's why he's called the helper. He comes to help people do what they can't do in their own strength and own ability. I love this, that God did not leave us here on this planet alone. He sent somebody to come help us. 
And he sent us himself in the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is sent to help us live this life, do what we're called to do, and we can't do it apart from His Spirit. We can't do it apart from the help of the Spirit of God helping us do what we're called to do. The Spirit of God has come on all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus, to help you fulfill the plan of God for your life. Without Him, you can't do it. The Spirit of God has come upon you and come in you to help you live this Christian life that you can't live apart from Him. He's come upon you to give you, notice, power and an ability to do everything the Bible says you can do. The Spirit of God helps you to come do that. And so He is the helper, and He comes on people to do what they can't do in their own strength. Now let's look at Ezra. Not Ezra, Ezekiel. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ezekiel, I know you've been in Ezekiel and your devotions this morning, probably. Ezekiel 36. You guys still here this morning? Ezekiel 36, and we're going to start in verse 26. Ezekiel 36 and 26. Now, before we read this, realize this is a man in the Old Testament who is a prophet. And he is a prophet, so prophets prophesy about what's going to happen in the future. And so Ezekiel prophesies about the day that will come when the Spirit of God will be poured out. He prophesies about the day that the Spirit of God would come upon believers to do what we're called to do. And so in Ezekiel... 36, 26, it says this. He's prophesying about the future. He's prophesying about the day we live in today. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a spirit within you. I will take out the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, notice, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. But notice he said, there will come a day, and that's today, the day we live in today, that I will take out your old heart and give you a new heart. But I'm not just going to leave you there. I'm going to give you my spirit, the spirit of God, to help you do what I've called you to do, to help you keep my commandments, to help you to live holy, to help you to prophesy, to help you to heal others, to help you to deliver others. The spirit of God comes to help you do what you can't do in your own natural strength. And to live this life that we're called to live. That was what was so frustrating in the Old Testament. Is God gave them commandments. But they had no spirit to help them do it. That's why there was so much frustration in the Old Testament. That's why the people of Israel blew it time after time again. Because they can't do the commandments of God apart from the spirit of God. And you can't either. That's why us preaching to lost people about what they should do and what they shouldn't do doesn't work because they don't have the Spirit of God to help them do it. Come on now, somebody. That's why us talking about behavior modification doesn't work in the church world because they don't need behavior modification. They need heart transformation. And the only person that can do that is the Spirit of God, is the person who comes and helps you change when you can't change in your own natural strength. The Spirit of God is the one who comes and He dwells in the life of the believer. He is God. We know that there's the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They are three, but yet they are one. Now we live today, like I said, in the age of the Holy Spirit. We live in the age of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the days that all these Old Testament prophets prophesied about. That there would come a day where the Spirit of God would be poured out. We're here. And we've been here for 2,000 years since the day of Pentecost. That the Spirit of God, He's not just up in heaven. He's on earth and He lives within the believers all around the world. And so we live in the age of the Holy Spirit. Now we know when Jesus was here, Jesus was God with us. But Jesus could only be in one place at one time. Because He was a man. In a physical body. 
if you wanted to see Jesus, if you wanted to hang out with Jesus, you would have to take, didn't have a plane back then, you'd have to walk a long way and take a big old boat all the way to Israel. If you wanted to be with Jesus or talk to Jesus or get healed, you would have to go all the way to Israel to be in Jesus' physical presence to be with him. And so we realize when Jesus was here, even though he was God, he was only one man in one place. But we see what happens is when he left, he sent us the Holy Spirit who can be everywhere at the same time. Come on now, somebody. That's why he said it's better for me to go. Because if I stay here, I'm just one person. I'm just one man. And I could only be at one place at one time. But the Spirit of God is omnipresent because he's God. You know what, this morning, all around the world, he is speaking to people, dare I say millions and billions of people this morning, all around the world, while he's speaking to you. How can he do that? Because he's God. (laughs) And he's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere present. And so we see that, yeah, Jesus was God with us, but the Spirit of God is God in us, which is better. (laughs) That means wherever we go, guess what? God goes. Because he lives on the inside of us. When it was just Jesus in physical form for those 33 years, you, if you wanted to be next to God, you'd have to be walking right along next to Jesus. But notice when you went home, you'd be away from him. But now the Spirit of God, he's not just with us. He lives in us. And that's to our advantage. Because wherever we go, he's with us. When we go home today, the Spirit of God's still in us. If you ran from God today and you went to the furthest island you could find under a coconut tree, guess what? When you got there, the Spirit of God would still be there to meet you. He would poke his little head out behind the tree and say, hello. Because the Spirit of God is everywhere. And he lives inside believers. So Jesus was God with us, but the Spirit of God is God in us, which is better. Jesus was the gift that the world needed, but the gift to the church is the Spirit of God. Now let's look back at John 14. You guys still here this morning? You understand what I'm saying? So we see the gift to the world was Jesus, but the gift to the church is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now why did... Jesus have to die for the Spirit to come? Well, because a sinful man and a holy God cannot be together. Because there's judgment that has to happen. So there is no way possible that the Spirit of God could come live inside a sinful man. Because there would have to be judgment. So why did Jesus have to die for the Spirit to come? Jesus had to die for our sins so he could cleanse us from all sin, so then the Spirit of God could come into a clean vessel. And that's why the Spirit of God is a gift to the church, not to the world, because you have to be cleaned from the inside out. You have to be forgiven of sins to receive the Spirit of God, because the Spirit will not come in an unclean vessel. So when Jesus died for our sins and we receive him, The Spirit of God comes and He gives us a new start. He cleanses us of all sin, all unrighteousness. And we are a clean vessel for now the Spirit of God to come and fill us up. And so John 14 in verse 16 it says, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper that He may abide with you, notice forever. There is never going to come a day that the Spirit of God will ever leave you. I don't know about you, that's encouraging. Ever. He said forever. Forever. (laughs) In this life and the life to come, there's never going to be a come a a time in your future that you're going to be alone. Ever. The Spirit of God, notice He'll be with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, notice they can't receive because they're unclean vessels. Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. Notice, and he's, he's talking to his disciples. He says, for he is with you, notice, and he will be in you. He was even prophesying to his disciples about there's going to be a day that comes. That the Spirit of God is not just going to come on you. He's going to live on the inside of you. 
And we know that day happened in the book of Acts. It's okay if I teach a little bit this morning, right? And so you know him, for he dwells with you, but he will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Notice, I will not leave you orphans. He's not going to leave us alone. He's not going to leave us by ourselves. He will come to us. And how has Jesus come to us as believers? By the Spirit of God. Jesus comes to us by the Spirit. He's still here. Before we get into a couple of things we want to talk about in a moment here, we see that if you read the Gospels, Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus God? Yes, he is. Jesus is all God and he's all man. But when Jesus came to the earth, it says in Philippians 2 that he laid aside all his divine privileges... And he laid aside all his power as God so he could walk as a man. So we need to think about this. Yes, he is God, but when he was walking on this earth, he was walking as a man, not as God. That's what it says. Philippians 2. Now, why was he doing that? To show us how we can live in the future as men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God. So when Jesus was healing people, he wasn't just healing people as God. He was healing them as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. When he was delivering people, he wasn't just delivering them as God. He was delivering them as a man filled with the Spirit of God. Showing us what we can do in the future as his church when we're filled with the Spirit of God. How did Jesus resist temptation? And he never sinned. He did that not just as God, but a man filled with the Spirit of God. And so if Jesus, come on now, I'm about to preach. If Jesus relied and trusted on the Holy Spirit, and He is God, how much more should we rely on the Spirit of God and trust in the Spirit of God and want the Spirit of God to work in our lives and not be standoffish and afraid and, no, I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. It makes you weird. It makes you strange. So we need to rely on him and trust in him. If Jesus did, how much more his body needs to as the church. So we see that even Jesus in his earthly ministry, walking as a man, yes, God, but also a man, he was full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God gave him power to do what he was called to do. Can I get an amen? Amen. We're making good time. I was quick today. It's not even 11 o'clock. So I have three, uh, three things I want to share today. This is kind of an introductory, introductory uh, statement to what we're talking about here. Three things I want to share today about the Holy Spirit in the first part of this series. The first thing we want to talk about is the Holy Spirit is a person and not a force. The Holy Spirit is a person and not a force. Now we know we got a lot of Star Wars fans in here because you're right. Because you're absolutely right. I thought I would have got a better response about that. Come on now. You're right if you like Star Wars. So, we realize a lot of people feel like the Holy Spirit is like the force, the equivalent to the force. You can't really understand what it is. It's just some power and some force and some feeling. And it's just very... I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to call out what I would like to call out right now. Some of you know what I like to call out right now. It's not this hippie new age, you know, this force and, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just, I'm laying in the forest and when the wind blows across my face, it's the spirit of God and nature is my God and I worship it and, oh, wow. No. God blessed the wind in the forest. God made the forest. But just because a wind blew in your face, that doesn't mean the Spirit of God is blowing in your face. So the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's a person. He is God. 
Now, why is this important? Because if you just think he's a force, then you can't relate to him as a person. If you just feel like he's just this feeling, then you can't relate to him as a person, can you? If he's somebody who's, who's not relatable, then you feel like, well, you know, it's just the feeling I get, you know, when I'm at church. But the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person, and he is God. And if we don't believe that, it will hinder our relationship with him. And to be completely honest today, the Holy Spirit is the person you relate to directly because he's the one who lives in you. And I realize there's Father, Son, and Spirit. Three is one. But the Spirit of God is the one you're directly communicating with on a daily basis who lives on the inside of you. So if you feel like he's just a feeling, then when you don't feel him, you're not going to talk to him. (laughs) When you don't feel him, you're not going to acknowledge him. But notice he's not a force. He's a person, and he's God. The Holy Spirit is a person. Now, once again, like I said, I've been in a spirit-filled church my whole entire life. Now, this is a misunderstanding of what the Holy Spirit is. A lot of people feel like the Holy Spirit is tongues. The Holy Spirit is not tongues. Tongues is a prayer language that the Spirit of God gives you, but the Holy Spirit's a person, not a prayer language. Come on now, somebody. Some people will feel like, well, the Holy Spirit is goosebumps. So during worship, you feel some goosebumps. And you you feel a little warm and fuzzy all over. So the Holy Spirit is just a warm blanket, pretty much. It's a Snuggie. (laughs) And yes, the Holy Spirit will bring feelings like that, but the Holy Spirit is not goosebumps in a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. Some people will say that the Holy Spirit is uh, crying at church. The Holy Spirit is shouting at church. The Holy Spirit is falling out at church. That's not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I didn't say those weren't from God. I just said that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's a person. Now, the Holy Spirit can come on you and you'll cry. The Holy Spirit can come on you and you'll fall out. The Holy Spirit can come on you and you'll shout. But the Holy Spirit is not those things. The Holy Spirit is a person. And if we don't believe that, trust me, it will hinder your relationship with God. Because you don't feel like he's a person, he's just a force. So we see that in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is referred to in personal pronouns. The Holy Spirit is not a it. He's not a force. If you read the New Testament, it says that the Holy Spirit is a he. It says himself, him. It refers to him in personal pronouns. This is what it says the Spirit of God does. Listen to these things. It says the Spirit of God works. He leads. He guides. This is not a force or an it. He prays. He convicts. He calls. It says that the Spirit of God has feelings. He can be resisted. A force doesn't have feelings. He's a person. He can be vexed. He can be quenched, and he can be grieved. Let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 30. You guys still here? I know you're listening today. Now, the reason we're talking like this is because I want to explain to you the importance of the Holy Spirit. I want to explain to you the reason why we believe what we believe and why you should believe in the Spirit of God. Like I said, so many times people avoid these topics because they're scared. They're intimidated because nobody has ever taught them in a sound way that they can understand. So we see that in Ephesians 4, in verse 30, it says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed To the day of redemption. Notice, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you guys have been saved more than one hour, you know that feeling. 
And we know that the Spirit of God is given to us, and He lives on the inside of us. And we know we've all been there. If you have received Jesus into your life, we have all been there where we have grieved the Holy Spirit. How many times, sometimes nobody else has been around, and you've done something you know you shouldn't have done, and you get that feeling. And it doesn't feel right. You feel upset. You can feel on the inside internally that you know you did something wrong and you know you grieve the Spirit of God. When we have those feelings, when we have those things happen to us, that is the Spirit of God being grieved. When we do stuff that we know we shouldn't do, we've all been there. We've all got those feelings before because the Spirit of God is trying to help keep you in line with the will of God. And when we go off track, it's like a warning signal on the inside. You're getting off track. You're getting off track. You're going to get into some trouble you don't want to be in. And so the Spirit of God comes, and he gets grieved when we don't do what we should do. And notice he doesn't do that because he's mad at us. doesn't do that because he's out to get us. He does it because he wants us to stay in the plan of God, in the will of God. How many of you have ever experienced that feeling before, that the Spirit of God is grieved on the inside of you? So he can be resisted, he can be vexed, he can be quenched, he can be grieved. The thing about the Holy Spirit is this, he can be resisted, meaning if we don't want to listen to him, he's not going to force us to do anything. Do you know that? God is not making anybody do anything they don't want to do. He'll try to lead you the right direction. He'll try to move you the right direction, but you can resist him anytime you want to resist him because you have a free will and you have a choice. So even though the Spirit of God, and I know I've done that before, the Spirit of God has convicted me. I can feel that he's grieved, but he's not going to make you do anything. And I've resisted the Spirit of God before. But when you resist him, he's a gentleman. He'll back off. He's not going to push Notice the enemy pushes you, but the Spirit of God leads you. If you feel like, I need to do this, I need to do, do this, I, you know, I don't feel uptight about this, and, you know, I feel uncomfortable and worry and stress, and that's not God. If you're scared and intimidated and pushed and worried, that's not God. The enemy pushes you, but the Spirit of God's going to try to lead you into all truth. And notice when he leads you, don't resist him. Because you can resist him. You're still here this morning. Number two, the Holy Spirit is supernatural, but he's not spooky. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is supernatural, but he's not spooky. This goes back to what I was saying earlier about ghosts. When people hear Holy Ghost, they get freaked out. (laughs) Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is supernatural, but He's not spooky. He's not weird. He's supernatural. Now, He is different because He's outside of the natural. He's supernatural. But He's not spooky, and He's not weird, and He's not here to make you feel uncomfortable. And that has been a misunderstanding, especially in the church world and people looking at the church world. They see churches that are full of weird people. Not this church, of course. We kicked all those people out by now. There's a couple people there. I saw a couple people pointing at people on that one. But let's just be honest, we've seen weird people in churches do things that are strange and they always blame it on the Holy Ghost. I couldn't help myself. The Holy Ghost made me do that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. You have complete control over yourself. You can make any decision you want to make. You can resist him. You can yield to him. You can do whatever you want to do, but the Holy Spirit is not making you act weird at church or outside of church. That's you. You're just weird. 
That's on you. Don't blame it on him. You're just a weird person. Can I get an amen? Amen. And some of you that have been raised in spirit-filled churches, man, we could write books and books and books and books. I know Brother Daryl could write at least two encyclopedias of weird things that happen at church. Because there's a lot of weird things that happened, and notice it turned people off from God. I say if what you did turns people off from God, it's not the Spirit of God. If when you're acting a certain way in service or outside of church that makes people want to resist God, want to run from church, want to run from the Spirit of God, it's not the Holy Spirit making you do that. Because if it's really the Spirit of God, it's going to draw people to God, not push them away and make them feel uncomfortable. Come on now, somebody. So the Spirit is not spooky or weird. He is supernatural, though. He is supernatural because he's God. So many people will see things that happen in the church world. But it's strange. It's weird. And that's not God. Now, it could be different. I've seen some different things that have been God. But that doesn't mean it's just going to be weird and strange. You ever seen those people, you know, it's like they got like a twitch in their eye. And they act like they're on medication. And they're always trying to like say some weird kind of prophetic word of you. And you're like, that's not even in the Bible. And so automatically, those are the people that CNN puts on TV. Let's get a spirit-filled believer on CNN. Let's go find somebody in West Virginia with two teeth, handling snakes, drinking poison, who is half out of their mind. And let's say that's the Holy Spirit-filled person. Come on now, somebody. I'm sorry if you grew up in West Virginia. I apologize. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? On CNN, Fox News, no matter what news station, let's get the spirit-filled person to be on TV. They don't pick the normal person. They don't pick the person that's attractive to the world. They pick the weirdest person possible. And that's why when people say, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. Okay. I'm not coming to your church then, because that's weird. But notice he's not weird, he's not spooky, but he is supernatural. So let's not be afraid or intimidated just because there's people that have done weird things, strange things, and said it was God, but usually it wasn't. Because if it is God, here's the reason you know it's God. It will draw people to God, not repel them. When something happens in the church and you feel uncomfortable about it, it's not God. Because if the Spirit of God is really moving, it should bring peace in the congregation. It should bring peace to your heart. Not you feel uptight about it. I don't know how many services sitting on the front row feeling uncomfortable by other people in this church. Yeah, including her. No, I'm joking. For real. And especially the older I got and the more I understood about the church world, I was like, nobody's going to come to this church if these weird people keep showing up. I'm just saying. I was just being honest. I know one time at lunch after a certain situation that happened in our church not too long ago, and there was somebody who kept doing things during the service that was drawing attention away from the priest's word. I was sitting on the front row, and it happened like 10 times. And, and I knew in my head, on this side and on this side, they're cracking up. The Corey group, they're losing it right now. There's no way that anybody's paying attention right now. The two middle sections are trying to pay attention. And the whole time I'm thinking, ushers, where are you at? Somebody grab this person and throw them out of the sanctuary. Or at least do a little, little tranquilizer dart or something. On the inside, a little blow dart, that's all it is. not going to make much noise. Just <laughs> and see, look. Dart gun into the side of the neck. Now, we don't have those today. I wish we did. The person goes out. They're not making any noise. Then you can just drag them out the back door. You know you've thought that before. 
And the one thing that was making me more upset than anything is this. There is people that are legitimately trying to come to church to listen for answers, and one person is distracting everybody so they can't focus. That's not right. That's not the Spirit of God. Hello, somebody. So I remember I was just flipping out at lunch. They were acting calm. I was like, Mom and Dad, we got to do something about this person. Where are the ushers? And they said, you know what? We'll have Brother Sean and Miss Donna handle it. And they did. They handled it. Just took her in the back room and just, all right, come on. Come on out. I mean, Brother Sean's a state champion wrestler, so, I mean, put two and two together. We haven't seen that person since. He didn't, do, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. But let me tell you why I told this story. When they got in the meeting with that person who was making a disruption during the service, and they did this about ten Sundays in a row, the whole entire service, when they got in the meeting, the lady said this, I can't help it. I can't control it. That's not the Spirit of God. <laughs> you, can, you can do whatever you want to do. You have your own choice. You have your own free will. The Spirit of God is not making you interrupt the service. He's not making you do anything that's going to repel people from the plan of God. So the Holy Spirit is supernatural, but He's not spooky. He's not weird. People are. He's not. <laughs> Can I plead with you, church family? People need to see more people that believe in the supernatural that are normal. You've got to make a big show about it. Yes, I believe in the supernatural. Yes, I believe God can heal you. But I don't have to act weird about it. I believe in all the things that the Bible says. I, we believe in angels and demons and the spirit-filled life and deliverance and healing and everything that the Bible says we should believe in. But you don't get to act strange about it. You've got to have a weird twitch in your eye when you're talking to somebody about it. Be like, are you okay? I think I should pray for you, really. <laughs> I'm just being real honest this Sunday morning. Is that Okay. Realize in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, he talked constantly about the importance of the Holy Spirit. And he was one of the most educated men of his day. Here's another thing that people will imply. If you go to that Pentecostal charismatic church, if you're spirit-filled, then you're not an educated person. Because only backwoods, uneducated people that don't know anything and need a crutch called the Holy Ghost, those are the only people that would go to that type of church. Well, it's funny that the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who was more educated than pretty much everybody in his day, was spirit-filled and talked about the Holy Spirit constantly. Huh. How does that work? So this idea that well, you're not educated or you're not smart and, you know, you need this because you, you, you got some issue. It's not true. The most educated man of his day who spoke several languages talked time after time again about the Holy Spirit. And even to the point he said, I pray in tongues more than you all. St. Paul, that people will argue about. The man said that, and he was one of the most educated people. So he wasn't crazy. He wasn't backwoods. It wasn't like he didn't have an education, so he needed a crutch. He was a normal believer who was an educated person who reached thousands and later on millions and billions of people through what he wrote, and he was full of the Spirit of God. So people need to see more people that believe in the supernatural and believe in the spirit but are normal normal <laughs> that's what people need to see now let's look at Galatians 6 you guys still here today I feel like it's good that when you just vent from the pulpit like that every no seriously 
everybody in here could just, they feel like, ah, I mean, I was thinking the same thing, but I've never said that publicly. And just everybody can just breathe easy now. So last, number three here, the Holy Spirit will give you self-control, not make you out of control. The Holy Spirit will give you self-control, not make you out of control. That goes right along with what we've been talking about here. Uh, Galatians, let me see here. Galatians actually 5 and verse 22. Galatians 5 and verse 22. Galatians 5.22 says, notice, but the fruit of the Spirit. Or we could say the results of the Spirit of God working in your life should be these things. If you really have the Holy Spirit, this should be the results of it. Notice it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if the Holy Spirit's really living in you, He's not going to make you out of control. He's going to give you self-control. A lot of people in the past, like I've said, have lived crazy lives and blamed it on the Spirit of God. I'm just being led by the Spirit. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're crazy. You're not being led by the Spirit. We've all seen those people. But if he's really in there, he's going to give you self-control, not make you out of control. And even in your personal life, He's not going to make your life chaos. He's going to bring things into order if he's really there. In Genesis 1, notice what happened. When the Spirit of God came on the chaos of the world, he brought order to it. So we see that when there was chaos without the Spirit of God, when the Spirit of God moved, everything got into divine order. And when the Spirit of God works in our lives, we let him work in our lives, he will bring everything into divine order. And he will give us self-control, not make us out of control. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians 14. We're going to close with this. Now, this is just the first week. This is just getting started here, foundation, what we're going to talk about. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 40. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, you could just take that verse out of context, but the whole chapter he's talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts in the church. And notice what he says. In this specific chapter, he didn't put it somewhere else in the Bible. At the end of it, he said, because he realized it could get out of hand real quick in a spirit-filled church if people aren't listening to the Spirit of God. And he said, when you come together and the Spirit of God's there, make sure that whatever you do, if you say it's the Spirit of God, let it be done decently. That means appropriately and in order. Because the Spirit of God's not going to make us out of control, just crazy, just making people feel uncomfortable. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to bring our lives into control. And he's got to give us the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control. Let me be honest here today. Like I said, I've been in church a long time. I've seen a lot of people react to the Spirit of God. Majority of time, not every time, because there's been an exception. The people that I've seen act the, the weirdest, and act the most touched, and act like they receive so much, those are the people that I don't even know where they are today. Just to be honest, the people that always make a big deal out of everything and act like they just, every time they get prayed for, they just fall all the way back into the, the back of the booth. Hello, somebody. I'm not saying you can't fall out. I've fallen out before because the power of God's been on me. But I'm saying majority of time, the people that act the wildest, free spirit, hippie, peace, free, Holy Spirit, 
You know what I've also seen in their life? They have no stability. I don't see any self-control. I don't see any divine order in their life. So that's why we know it's not the Spirit of God. Because if the Spirit of God really touches you, He will bring self-control, not make you out of control. He'll bring divine order to your family, to your finances, to your life, to your health. He will bring things into divine order, not make you out of control. Now listen to my heart, and I realize this is the first of many series I can explain myself more. We need to respond when the Holy Spirit moves on us. But just ask yourself, have you been flipping and flopping and acting like a crazy person? Where's the fruit of it afterwards? Hello, somebody. Or the people that you've seen that have been dramatic in the way they act. Now, I have seen dramatic things, but then I've seen the person's life changed afterwards. Now, that's the Holy Spirit. But then I've seen a lot of people just act all sorts of ways and leave the same. And now I don't even know where those people are today. I don't even think they're serving God. So what was it? We've got to be honest with ourselves. Because the Holy Spirit, if it's true and if it's real, there's got to be some fruit after that experience. So as we continue this series after today, I just want you to be thinking about these things. The Holy Spirit's a person, not a force. The Holy Spirit is supernatural. He's not spooky. And the Holy Spirit will give you self-control, not make you out of control. The whole reason we're talking about this is because he's the most important person in your life. He's the most important person you can relate to. More than your husband or wife or your kids or your friends, the Holy Spirit wants to be our best friend. And he's called to be our helper. And hopefully during the series, we're going to receive him more than we've ever received him before. Or we're going to be reminded, some of you who have been in church a while, reminded about the importance that the Holy Spirit plays in our life. And hopefully some of you that maybe are new today or didn't grow up in a church like ours, there was some clarity brought today. There was some of the weirdness gone when somebody just gets real at church and talks about how it really is. That you need to realize the Holy Spirit is God and He's not going to do anything to hurt you. He's not going to do anything to harm you. He's only going to bring life. And he wants to help you. So, let me ask this. Let's uh, bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment here.